Diane, it's 8.30 p.m. Welcome to another episode of Twin Peaks Peaks. We're going to be covering Demons, a.k.a. episode 6 of season 2. Yep, I'm Matthew Olson, one uh, of your hosts. <laughs> and I'm Ashley Brandt. The other one of your hosts. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Ashley, do you have any... Wait, sorry. I don't want to forget this. Uh, for clarification, last week's episode, which came out on uh, October 1st, I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah. Um, that was recorded uh, the weekend prior. Um, and since then, uh, we were very saddened to hear about Catherine Coulson's passing. Um, yeah. Catherine played the log lady on Twin Peaks. And uh, we're, we're very sad. Um, but it was touching to see the, the outpouring of uh, sympathetic messages and so forth from the cast and crew, uh, many of whom are working on the new season right now. Um, and yeah. Yeah, that was that was really sad news to like wake up to. Um, sources are saying that she was slated to appear in season three. So um, obviously you know it's a tight they're running a tight ship over there and we don't really know what those plans might have looked like and what they'll look like now yeah um if if some scenes were filmed with her that's that's obviously great um but if not uh i guess as far as this you know has any bearing on season three if there were plans to include her in the showtime run i just hope that uh I hope more than them being able to like recover or something um, that they just, you know, something in her memory. Uh, mm-hmm, absolutely. You know, persists as part of the show um, because she's really great. And she's one of the like most iconic characters of the show. Definitely. And uh, I mean, in her memory and also just because it's always great. It's Halloween season and it's really easy to put together a really kick-ass log lady costume. So I hope uh, for Catherine that we see an influx this year of great log ladies. That's that's. I think that would be a cool way to no, yeah. remember her. I don't know. That would be really cool. I suggested to my housemate and her boyfriend because he wants to go as the log lady and I think she should be the log. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. She's, She's small. She's like log sized relative to him. Wait, wait, wait. Is this who I think it is? It is who you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> I've not, um, yeah, I've never heard a person's uh, stature. You better hope she doesn't listen to this episode. Uh, I like said this to her the other day. It's oh, funny. right. Yeah. I guess you, I guess you put that out there. That's the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I never heard a person, <laughs> they're approximately log sized. Yeah. That's not a thing people say. <laughs> Um, but that would be that would be like a really good couple's costume for them specifically and i guess anyone else with a height disparity in their relationship yeah uh also another great one would be andy and lucy that's Um, true but you got to get that tintin flick of andy's down um i think i could do it i think if i shaved the sides of my head down closer i could you could do do a good andy maybe i should eh, i don't know i need to figure out my costume good andy I was listening to a different podcast today, not our own podcast. <laughs> As to, though you like listen yeah. to our podcast. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't listened back to this one. Uh, I listened back to an episode of the other show I do to see if it was like, if it was actually like paced well. And I'm afraid to go back and listen to one of our sprawling two hour long episodes. <laughs> um, so yeah. I was listening to a, a, a podcast, and on it, the hosts were like, adults, like adults shouldn't 
participate in Halloween. They shouldn't have costumes. It's so fucking annoying. Uh, one of them said, one of them compared Halloween t- to being straight pride, <laughs> which I get. <laughs> but I want to say I'm excited. It's the spooky season. It's time to time to pumpkin down, not pumpkin spice latte or that. Just like get real. <laughs> I mean, it's appropriate for Twin Peaks. Get real spooky. I don't know. I really like that characterization of Halloween as straight pride. I'm going to use that now. Yeah, I figured you'd like that. Yeah, I was I, I was thinking about not bringing it up on the show to just pair it with somebody else on a different podcast. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I knew you'd like it. So there you go. That's your gift today. Straight pride. You Thanks, can, friend. You can hate on Halloween if you want to with that, I guess. Um, also relevant uh to the season to the time that we're in right now i think they're done filming in washington or they should be yeah seems like this is this would be about the time this would be about the time so twin peaks you know season three production uh if they haven't halted yet i don't know what the reason would be uh i mean they could they could have like a flexible arrangement and could be waiting for like particular weather or anything but probably probably missed our boat to go back there and see anything but they're they obviously can't be done with filming. So I wonder how much... Uh, I mean, I assume they're just going to move production to California. Yeah, I wonder how much outdoor production is going to take place in California, if any. Because... Mm. Um, what it, I would have thought is that they would have front-loaded all of the exterior shots for while they were in Washington and all the interiors would really be in California. That's what I'm thinking too. But they could, they could do a kind of mishmash um like eventually the series ended up being that because you know establishing shots would still be the washington footage and then new exteriors would be california but i wonder if they're really going for you know i don't even think all the interiors for fire walk with me were done in washington uh but they did like a lot of on-site shooting for the film so i wonder Mm -hmm. if they're trying to do more in the vein of the pilot and film or if they were just like well if we're already gonna make over the diner we might as well shoot at the diner and so forth so yeah could um, be yeah anyway done with washington probably i haven't heard maybe anything. we'll find out yeah uh so let's talk about this let's talk about this episode yeah, actually. let's talk about a lot a lot of donna still oh god yeah what are your what are your initial thoughts and tear into donna for me i just you know they could have written her out of the entire series and I think everything would have been paced much better. <laughs> I think it, this episode would have held my interest more. Uh. Um, could have just written James out too. leave Maddie to just do some detective work. Maybe she could hang out with Shelly and Bobby and she would be more exciting. Yeah. Oh my God. Imagine what a, what a way be better time she would really have. In into that. Oh my God. She was hanging out with Shelly and Bobby. Um, uh god yeah donna uh, i have a note here which is uh again donna fails to get diary <laughs> third, third time third attempt third time not the charm sorry that uh, was a low-hanging fruit yeah third time in two episodes i think and it just utterly fails i'm just um i i really don't like the opening to this episode um mainly because Harold has has cracked and the way Harold I think Lenny Von Dolan or as you call him young <laughs> uh, I told young you Dustin it's Hoffman, funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh I think Lenny is doing his 
best here with a poor hand, which is that <laughs> he is just supposed to be losing his shit and being menacing while also posing like really no threat to these to these two <laughs> girls at this point. Again, they have seen, Donna has seen that they could just run outside and that would be it. That would be end game. She knows that, yet they're still like being like, oh no, what's going to happen? He's And he's just sad in a way that is like just a tad too... The show plays around with this, but it's just a tad too melodramatic and soapy because I don't like, or maybe I just, I'm hating on Donna so much. I, I can't see why Harold fell in love with Donna. storyline is just a vortex of like extreme soap opera drama. It's very Degrassi, the next generation. <laughs> is it? I've never seen Degrassi. Well, Degrassi is a teen soap opera. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how old do you think Harold is? Good ass question. <laughs> How old is young Dustin Hoffman, Ashley? If you had to guess, put a number um, on it. Okay, he looks like Dustin Hoffman in The Graduate, but Dustin Hoffman was like deceivingly old in The Graduate. So I'm going to go with he's meant to be mid 20s. I could see mid 20s. Uh, I, so we know for a fact that, I mean, it's come up, I guess, in a couple different places or a couple different times, like Laura. I mean, I guess she was seeing James at Bobby, but saw a lot of older men. Okay, so Lenny Von Dolan is age 56 now. Wow. Only 56. I would have guessed. Did you expect it? I would have guessed older. So Wait, what year was he born? This We're going to have to do some math here. Uh, I'm, doing the, I'm doing the math right you're now. You're doing it's okay. the math. It's fine. Okay. Wait, uh, while you're doing math, can I tell you what my mom said about Harold? Yes. So Ari, that tool he uses to claw his face at the end of the previous episode. Oh, yes. Good, good, good. Okay. So here's what my mom said. She said, that is a tool that you use to break up hard ground. So here are her two theories regarding that. Either Harold is not an agoraphobe and he's doing some outdoor gardening because you can't use that tool indoors, according to my mom. Okay. Or... All right. I like the way this is going. <laughs> theory two... He runs outside really quickly, claws at the ground, and runs back inside. <laughs> because as my mom pointed out, that tool is dirty. It is oh, not clean. Wow. Which is also gross just from a medical the, standpoint. The mystery of the claw. <laughs> so will see if this um, one gets resolved. Um, so like if you think... He's not an agoraphobe, and uh, this this tool was the towel. And comment if you think that he is running outside and then running inside in the process of using yeah. this outdoors-only gardening tool. Please, please do. Um, also, Lenny Von Dolan was about thirty when this was filmed. Okay, so that's about okay. That is about the age that Dustin Hoffman was when he filmed *The Graduate*. <laughs> there you go. Hey, so there you go. Um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with the older men point, other than like Harold is like. He's, he's, he is, he is not, he should not be hanging out with teens at all or nope. fall, especially like fall in love with Donna all of a sudden oh, after Donna's God. terrible, terrible distraction kissing. What is the allure of Donna? What is it? Is it the fact that Lara Flynn Boyle thought that her storyline needed a little more spice? Is that the allure of Donna? The show fucking knows that Donna and James suck. Case in point, the scene immediately following this episode, or immediately following this event at the start of the episode, 
where James and Donna apologize to one another. Fucking just you and I kicks in in the background again. And they like reignite their love for one another. It's also like, it's so bad. Like what was the point of them like briefly breaking up or like whatever, like that lasted for one and a half episodes, which is roughly one and a half days. Like I think, I think, I don't know if it's the director, Leslie Linka Glader, or I, I didn't take down a note of who wrote this one. Harley Payton. Harley Payton. But I think there are definitely people involved high up in the production who make the kind of decisions that make James and Donna that much more insufferable to highlight to the, the wary viewer, the not starstruck teen lover viewer, that these two suck. They're they the worst. Suck. Um, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, it's way more exciting to see Audrey doing nothing in this episode than to see James and Donna do anything in this episode. I will I will point out that this episode opens with, like, some of the most prominent, like, Twin Peaks ladies in peril. Yes. Or, like, it's really that the last episode kind of ends on that note. Mm-hmm. That being, you know, Audrey, Maddie, Donna... Shelly's not doing a ton. She's not doing a ton. She's doing some stuff. Norma's doing... Shelly's scheming. Some stuff. Shelly's scheming, but, like, Bobby is the lead schemer. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But... So we're kind of at a, at a low for, like, the ladies of Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. At this point. I think, I think one lady in particular gets a fucking great power move scene this episode, but we'll she get to that. She does. Um, so... Uh, should we should we talk about Audrey though? Audrey now safely in the in the bookhouse. Yeah. Um, yeah. The um, this I think this is only the second appearance of the bookhouse. Um, but there it is. There you go. The bookhouse. It's a real place, not a figurative place. No. Yeah. Um. Oh wait, I did have one more note on oh, no. the opening scene. Okay. Okay, James. Okay, I had forgotten how the scene ended. So when I was first watching it, like James grabs Maddie and I was like, oh, okay, this makes sense. He's kind of chosen Maddie over Donna. And then they get outside and he's kissing Donna. Mm -hmm. I thought like when he ran in there, he was just like, screw Donna. She's on her own. (laughs) (laughs) That's just what we all wished. That's just what we would have been more interesting in my opinion. But also mixed signals across the board from James. Yes, totally. Um... Speaking of mixed signals, this show is sending mixed signals as to whether or not it wants to take Cooper and Audrey as a thing seriously. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when she's waking up and she's like, she definitely says daddy at one point. Yeah. Which I was like, no. Yeah. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know how to, how to take that, but I think, I think, uh, Sherilyn and Kyle like play that scene it's like it's very like tender and it's like it, it it gives me a sense of like even though the fucking like handling of that whole plot I think is bad mm-hmm. like I do get like this sense of relief and safety now like back in the bookhouse Cooper and Truman are there Audrey can go back to being an active character of this show now and I don't have to hate <laughs> scenes at One-Eyed Jacks because we're not going to get them yeah right maybe also audrey like the character is okay is going to yes. be okay and going to pull yeah. through it seems but more i maybe the sense of relief i getting is now like good 
don't have to deal with this plot line anymore. It's finally over over six episodes in to the season. Yeah. Um, thank God. Um, I do want to point out Sherilyn Fenn acting semi-conscious and like incapacitated more alluring and has much more of a presence than Donna trying to seduce James at the sheriff's station. <laughs> Just like exponentially better acted, more interesting. You're saying you're saying Donna more the, charisma. Donna in the sunglasses does nothing for you. No. She does nothing for me. Ashley Okay, if here's something that I feel like episode 1 if I had asked this, you would have okay. been like Oh, no question. You would have had an answer. But now I'm going to ask you. Okay. And I think maybe this, what our experience in doing the podcast thus far has changed this. Shelly or Audrey? I'm kind of team Shelly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> All the basic Twin Peaks viewers <laughs> love Audrey, but we're coming around to team <laughs> Shelly. Imagine, imagine, hit us up. You're our fave. We love Sherilyn too, but... Shelly's but Shelly really creeping up into my heart and like um, her and Bobby together and usually I do not care about heterosexual couples at all but like yeah. their jawlines so beautiful this is I think the second episode in a row you mentioned their jawlines but I agree um who boy but we have to keep talking about Donna and James do we? Because they're in this episode. <laughs> Truman lays the smack down and calls out yeah. the mystery twins on their bullshit. Admittedly, only Donna's there, but he like <laughs> refers to James as like, if James is fucking around on this again, I'm gonna like have his neck. Like <laughs> Thank God. Um whew. Do we have anything to say other than like hooray? Okay, one question that has been nagging me for a while. Why keep two diaries? Why does Laura have two diaries? And I kind of have an explanation, but like, how do you, how, how, how do you justify this plot choice? Um, I feel like right now it's like unjustifiable, right? Yeah. Like, I think this is something that is, is sort of the afterthought, right? Like we were talking about Josie's sudden like, background uh revelations Mm -hmm. maybe coming as an afterthought as a response to season one and i think somewhere along the line there was never a plan for a second diary in season one and then they realized that shit laura has a lot to say we already went through the tapes and the diary we shouldn't have had the diary being the pilot what about a secret diary (laughs) that makes sense and it doesn't it really doesn't that's um, a lot of effort. And then you can twist things maybe in your in your head to make that make sense. But Yeah, I think what like kind of makes sense to me is the idea that Laura would be keeping a diary that relates to kind of the darker aspects of what's going on with her. Right. Um and keep that separate from the like kind of mundane dark aspects of what's happening to her if that makes sense there's like mm-hmm. the 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 spoopy thing that everyone's kind of trying to figure out at this point and then there's kind of like Laura was into cocaine and she like had an ad in flesh world yeah and like that the spoopy thing is <laughs> she's got to she's got to hide that even deeper especially because 
Um, I think we're starting to see that there is reason to believe that, like, someone could have access to her diary. Yeah. Um, Definitely, I mean, it's a literal, like, embodied division of the the layers of secrecy Laura adopted is having Mm -hmm. two diaries. Like it works as a, as a, as a way to reinforce that theme, but it just seems like so much trouble. Yeah. Also to me, someone who never kept a diary or a journal, keeping one seems hard enough. Yes. Yes. You know what? I would have believed if this were, if this was a bunch of like pages torn out of her real diary, I would have believed that. Okay. But the idea that there are two separate books and she's writing separate entries in each too much for me. Hmm. Okay. I I can I yeah, I kind of feel the same. I wonder if this was made 15 years later if Laura would have a blog yes. and then a secret deep web blog. Yes, I think that's exactly what would happen. <laughs> uh, just get, what if Twin Peaks on TV today? Wow, wait, I'm thinking about like Twin Peaks like like an updated version where like all of Laura's shit is happening on the deep web. <laughs> No, it sounds really cool. And then, like, that Cooper's got to, like, investigate the deep web. Yeah, cyber crimes unit. Twin Peaks cyber crimes unit. But, like, the deep web is so creepy and weird. Yeah, the uh, Black Dot Lodge. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> was, uh, okay. Um, I'm going to poor man's copyright this whole idea right now. Oh, God. I mean, we're just getting into... We're just getting into... Uh, the killing territory or Veronica Mars territory. literally any of the shows that have like lifted heavily from Twin Peaks territory and then updated it for any, modern audiences. Any dead girl show just throw in some internet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's, I mean, you can have your dead man's copyright or what was it? Dead man's what? copyright? No. Poor man's copyright. Poor man's copyright. Dead man's switch. That's a totally different thing. Okay. Um, let's talk about Ben Horn. Do you want to know what my next note is? What is it? Are Ben and Josie fucking? Because <laughs> um, they have some incredible chemistry in this scene. They do. Uh, fuck. Um, Richard Bamer and Joan Chen in this scene, fucking electric. Yeah, I love it so it's much. Like, it's like a heightened, like more evil Bobby and Shelly. Mm. Yes. Yes. And, like, I think Catherine and Ben were, like, supposed to be that. Fell flat. Mm-hmm. This, way better chemistry. Um, the Prior to this scene, though, before we continue to, to gush about it and get into the implications of it and how, how just how deep into the pre-Laura shenanigans in Twin Peaks it gets into, uh, Josie is being forced to leave uh, Twin Peaks because of this guy we haven't met called Mr. Eckerd and who's sent his representative. And Josie is, it is, it is, I feel like it is blown past very quickly. Like this show shows as much of it as maybe it's comfortable to, or maybe, you know, it doesn't want to show it, but Josie's abused. Mm-hmm. And I think this is something that me just being an ignorant, dumb boy viewer before now was was just willing to blow past. Like, oh, Josie's in this bad situation. Um, 
And it didn't, like, I've been having a hard time now thinking about the Josie plot as we have as being kind of an afterthought, kind of tacked on mm-hmm. and, and seeming, you know, out of place, having sympathy. But this, like, even this small blip, like, reminds me that, like, this is a character who, it's weird because her plot line feels so rushed. Mm-hmm. It does. And this scene, especially, like, is where I can, like, actually be like, no... This is a bad situation. This isn't her her decision. And for all the bad things she's done, like, no way in hell does she deserve this. Whereas before, I was just willing to be like, oh, Josie's criminal dealings and her relationship with Truman, like, I don't care for any of that. Uh, But the combination of this weird handling of, like, the... of, of actually showing... demonstrating the stakes of the situation she's in combined with how great her scene with Ben Horn is after mm-hmm. uh, I mean I could say like team Shelly all day but seriously it brings me around to Josie's side more yeah. uh, than I think I've been on past viewings um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on how they handle that or whether or not you just want to talk about the fucking crazy high stakes game that Ben and Josie are engaged in yeah. but um, I mean it's it's strange to think that like the first shot of Twin Peaks is Josie and then from the pilot it's she just plummets in terms of importance mm-hmm. um and it's sad joan chen is a great actress she like giving her like good material to work with that's not just like english is my second language like yeah. she kills it as this as this scene with ben demonstrates um i would have loved to see josie like like kind of be like the big bad of twin peaks that would have been really cool um because we you know she's in this scene she's topped ben horn yep she mm-hmm. walks away with her five million dollars yeah uh so ben has dirt josie has dirt on ben but let's let's recount like this is ostensibly josie was sort of sent to america to do some of this criminal dealing mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm not sure as a viewer how much is at the behest of this Eckert guy. Um, but so she offed Andrew with the assistance of Hank. Right. In order to get the insurance or like, or, or in order to take control of the mill and then figure out a way to sell it or get the insurance money. I think so. And I think wrapped up in that, I mean, there's just like, obviously the criminal implications, like you were working with Hank also then that means Josie's partially responsible for Hank's manslaughter. Mm hmm. But I guess it I, is it revealed how what exactly Josie has they does they say exactly what she has on Ben like does Josie know no, about one eye Jack thing that's the thing is that's not clear because Josie knows he, about Ben's like business bad dealings and yeah. maybe his criminal relationships with other like killers and low low lives but I don't think because he pretty explicitly implies that he uh you know has evidence linking her to her husband's death andrew packard's death yeah but we don't get any clarification on what she could possibly have on him that tops murder yeah because just having sex with Catherine doesn't cut it (laughs) i mean i guess it would also be like they conspired on Catherine's murder yeah. Like, that's totally what it is, I guess. Yeah. Is that they, you know. I like to believe that there's something else because then they just both go down if, if it's right, that but they're gonna, murder. They'll bury us side by side. I fucking love that. 
fucking love no that. i think there's like there's in that one there's in the idea of like her blackmailing him with catherine stuff oh, sure. there's way too much wiggle room for him to like reframe himself as an accomplice sure, sure, sure. cooperate and then I, like get her life in prison and he gets some kind of deal you know i agree but if it is just the catherine thing it makes the they'll bury a side by side line I just love that, that line and her that, delivery. Yeah. It makes it, it make you know, it, it fits well with that. That's true. Um, I want to believe that sh- that like their business dealings go really far back, though. I want to believe that like she knows some terrible stuff about Ben. There's a there's a prequel series floating yes. around where Josie and Ben are just fucking up Twin Peaks for everyone, and Pete's there for like most of the episodes. <laughs> Pete, um, Pete is the Saul Goodman of that series. <laughs> oh my God, I'm poor man's uh, copywriting this whole you concept. You can't do that. I yes, think I can. This is explicit. You're explicitly, you know, you're what you're doing is you're reserving the right to write your own Twin Peaks fan fiction along these lines. <laughs> and you know what? I don't think anyone's going to challenge you on that. Um, Whatever. I just racked up two copyrights. That's not. <laughs> Look, I know you love entertainment, but that's not quite how this works. I think your eagerness needs to be tempered with some some legal. Understanding. I, I do that all day. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um. What? I got. I mean, I got notes all over. I, I got, got notes all over my you book. Know who we haven't talked about yet? Who? Our faves. Bobby and Shelley. Yes. I mean, we have plenty of time to get to that, but let's do it now. Why not? Yeah. Um. That dude's plaid suit. Not a Bobby and Shelley comment, but the <laughs> but the. <laughs> The uh, dude from the state helping him out, <laughs> helping oh, yeah. him, air quotes, out. His plaid suit. Is that a look? Is that a look, Ashley? I mean, you're the arbitrator of menswear looks. It is not a look. It looks <laughs> real look. bad. <laughs> That's a look if you are a member of the Mighty Mighty Boston's and in no other situation are you allowed, unless you're in a ska band, that particular ska band even, you're not allowed to wear a plaid suit, just period. Um also, right, not a look. And you know why we haven't been having looks lately? Because Audrey's been wearing the Audrey's same outfit for six episodes. They didn't give Audrey a change of clothes. And I know. And, and, you know, Josie really hasn't been giving looks either because she's basically been written out of the series. What did you think of the outfit Blackie's sister had on? At the... <laughs> the, at, like, cowgirl outfit? No, that is not a look. <laughs> okay, okay. That is, like... That is like if you want to troll like streetwear photography, you wear that. <laughs> no one wears that seriously. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. So this also addresses our question from several episodes ago. How are they going to get that much money off of Leo? I forgot that they'd get like nothing. Nothing. They get nothing. Um, Seven hundred bucks. And apparently Shelly quit her job for this. No, yeah. no. Kind of makes sense that she would have to like do that to prove that she was really going to care for him full time, but not a good choice. No, no. What's Norma going to do? Yeah, Norma. how is Norma faring? Rely on Hank. Why have they broken up the greatest friendship in Twin Peaks? How does this make you feel? Very distressed because now the only friends we have in Twin Peaks are Maddie and Donna, and they're terrible friends. <laughs> they're awful friends. They're not good friends to each other. We haven't seen Mike and Bobby pal around. I mean. Does Mike, a.k.a. Snake, exist anymore? He's, I think he moved. He's kicking around, I'm sure. He's in the background. Um, anyway, uh, the party scene. 
I okay, Mad Chen, so cute in this scene. Mm-hmm. When she just like is repeating whatever Bobby says. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this is our way of saying, hey. And then she's like, hey. <laughs> so cute to me. Um, God, there's, there's so many. That party is everything. So many things to say about the party. Uh, first off, they raided, they must have raided <laughs> Twin Peaks' only party supply store <laughs> to get they that many hats and streamers. Like all of that $700 Fucking on party supplies. I wonder if Dana came up with the, hey, put a hat on each one of your ears look. Because <laughs> uh, if so, he should have gotten a bonus right on the spot for that brilliant, yeah. brilliant piece added. Some kind of creative credit. Someone should have gotten credit for that. Uh, yeah, they raided the party store. Um, they got, like,. I love the the unspoken aspect of this, which is that this is later in the day they find out that they're only getting seven hundred a month for Leo's fucking awful, murderous wife beating ass. Yeah. So what do they do? They get a bottle of Jack, get really drunk, and then decide to raid the party store. Like this had to have happened. <laughs> they didn't just have this stuff around. Like Bobby didn't just go home and was like, "Hey, Dad, where's all the party stuff?" And it's like, "Well, son, uh, you know what? I really think that parties are." A great time to come together and celebrate. Okay, Dad, whatever. Later. Like, that didn't happen. They had to go to a store and buy all this and buy a cake because they got so sloshed and so, like, oh my God. fuck it that they do decided think, to throw this party. Okay, where do you think that cake came from? Um, well, I know that in a deleted scene, there's, a, there's, a, there's the donut shop in town. Maybe they also do cakes. I don't know. Maybe, oh, yeah, because you've been watching... Maybe the Blue horns Rays. department store has a has has a because what I want to believe section. is that that cake came from the double R. That could also be yeah. I guess that's the obvious answer. Um, but I don't. I've never seen any signage suggesting they do cake there. So I mean, cake pie basically the same thing. They're not. They're not though. <laughs> Spoken like someone who doesn't make cakes or pies a lot. That was a joke, but okay, all right. <laughs> maybe you probably, maybe you probably make really... cakes and pies more than I have. Yes, maybe it's just a pie with frosting on it. Uh, well, we would know if that was the case because <laughs> Eric Duray fucking heroically face plants in it. Um, Can we also talk about how Eric Duray's acting has been on point ever since Leo went into this vegetative state? Yeah, uh, it's like maybe one day on set. Before they nailed down Leo's plot line, Eric Duray was just like, look, I can play like completely vacant really well. And they were just like, holy shit, we have to do something with this. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, face plants in the cake. Uh, the kazoos. Um, just like the, the fucking stare. He's playing everything perfectly. Not to mention, at one point, well, right after face planting... Dana hauls him back into an upright position by, by yanking his ponytail. the ponytail. Oh, my God. And a fucking true pro. No sign on his face oh of God. any feeling whatsoever. Amazing. Incredible. I hope he was nominated for something. <laughs> but I also... Okay, Bobby in this scene. Bobby just dragging Leo for being a misogynist, abusive asshole. This is the, thi- this is the linchpin that makes this scene work. Because if this wasn't headcanon about party stores and drunkenness aside even though that is i mean it's evident they if this scene was just them tormenting this brain dead person it would be like well that's kind of fucked up 
but it, it both fully acknowledges by way of their like fear of Leo. Like Leo is a, is a is a as as I said, like a fucking mustache twirling villain. Like he's just a bad man. Mm-hmm. So like the fear is based in that, but it's it's also kind of the fear I think of this taboo thing that they're doing, which is tormenting someone who is in no position to like in any way like resist this mm-hmm. but it's in full acknowledgement of this person has ruined Shelley's life up to yeah. this point um and so it walks this fine line between like they're tormenting someone who's disabled and reminding you that these are two teenagers who are in way over their heads they're about to do it on the table <laughs> <laughs> when they realize that that's the worst fucking idea that's ever really and really creepy and weird. And also they like maybe deserve this moment. Like this is, this is the mustache twirling villain. This is a really bad man. And the worst that's happening to him right now is that his face is ending up in a cake. Like it's, it's slapsticky. This isn't even probably what he deserves. Mm-hmm. Uh, he probably deserves worse in, in a karmic sense, but But I think this gets to a question I asked earlier, which is, like, like, how do we handle the idea that, like, and this isn't everyone necessarily everyone's interpretation, but the idea that, like, someone, like, deserves being disabled. Right. Which, like, is, like, pretty ableist. Mm Mm-hmm. And I know that, like, I feel like on the internet lately, I've been seeing a lot of people being, like, ableist, like, that's just social justice terms gone crazy. But, like... It's that's, absolutely it's not. It's a very offensive, like, way to, like, think of disability. To think that it's, like, something, some kind of, like, karmic retribution for, like, doing bad things or, like, being a bad person. Yeah. Leo, like, if this is, like, intended as, like, the, the comeuppance, it's it's weird for that exact reason. Because he's, he's like, he's now completely vacant. It's not, like... Like, it makes less sense as a narrative choice in terms of, like, trying to, like, bring someone down than, than like, just sending them to prison or even, like, just having them be killed. Like... I feel like I do like that he is, like, in a sense helpless in the same... And trapped this in a way that is similar to the way that Shelley was trapped. But I don't think he had to be, like, disabled for this to happen. Yeah. Although, like, obviously that takes a couple more, like levels of like plot thought or whatever but i think that might have been more satisfying but i do also like seeing eric deray do this vacant performance it would be it would be way way worse if what they had done was oh like it will basically if they were having him play almost any other kind of uh affliction right like if if he was in any other way trying to portray a impaired Leo. Mm-hmm. You can just like, I don't even have to say it. You can imagine all the myriad ways in which both writing and like trying to contrive a situation in which he's like unable to resist the, you know, what Bobby and Shelly want to do to him uh, or in which he, an actor has to play this thing that he is not mm-hmm. uh, just being so much worse right. um, in terms of, I mean, it's, it would be 100% in line with the Mr. Tajimura situation. Yeah. Just completely offensive. Um, so, yeah, there's, like, this weird ableist, like, not even undertone, but, like, overtone to mm-hmm. the idea of this being what Leo deserves. But I think, like, that's a stance taken by Bobby and Shelley, mm-hmm. and they're clearly not, like, in the right necessarily either on it. 
right like, and i yeah and the show does do a lot to like complicate like that viewpoint on leo and like bobby and shelly's relationship to leo as like his caregivers or what have you yeah um like <laughs> we're on team bobby and shelly but that is with full knowledge that what they're doing is really bad they're yeah. trying to and they're not succeeding either they're trying to live off of this dude's uh, like trying to live off of the state by exploiting this dude that frankly neither of them you know if it wasn't for the money would want to be around at all mm-hmm. um, that's a special weird kind of scummy um, and they're also trying to like be evil in a way that is kind of similar to Leo and they just can't quite rise to that occasion is this why we like them now I think so <laughs> because they're complicated and we can I think so <laughs> and unlike so many characters namely the other teens in twin peaks (laughs) these ones are complicated and it's all like it's all very easily to access like even when we talk about cooper we kind of have to dig dig deeper for some of the complicated things about him yeah everyone else just very much like lays their their emotions and their problems or whatever very bare uh for the show Audrey is like super great, but, but Audrey also like doesn't really like to her credit, like doesn't get into a situation the same as what Donna and like James do or what Shelly and Bobby do. I mean, the um, thing is like from pretty much immediately, we know that Audrey wants Cooper mm-hmm. can't have him, but that doesn't that situation like more or less remains static um donna wants to be with james donna is doing laura dirty in 10 million different ways (laughs) yeah james can't stay with one woman likes his motorcycle i don't know uh truman doing some law stuff doing some josie stuff josie's complicated josie's complicated true ben horn catherine not as complicated gathering some money doing some evil stuff that's why we need more jerry scenes yeah norma just trying to keep the double r open norma honestly like could have been like fleshed out way more like the norma hank stuff right now could be way more interesting but Mm -hmm. it's just not and hank's a fucking joke yeah so i mean i think of all the characters of twin peaks probably the three most complex interesting characters are shelly bobby josie i think we've discovered wow because everyone yeah. else starts with the same objective and maintains that objective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, for now. Um, Thus far. Change is coming in Twin Peaks. Uh, so where, where, where on to next? Um, you got any ideas? Um, do I? Oh, sorry. I, I can't. I can't hear you very well. I can't. I cannot hear you very well. Could you repeat that for me? <laughs> let's talk about gordon Gordon. can we talk about gordon yeah (laughs) david lynch not directing not writing this episode acting in it in the flesh it's gordon he's the best i really like that he really actually didn't direct or write this episode but he was like i'm gonna make an acting cameo yeah um so he was he was the voice of gordon earlier right and maybe based on that alone, like maybe that was a throwaway, but now he's here. And, well, and what's happened is they've kind of just had to write Albert off. Yeah. And they were like, 
what are we going to do? Who's been here? Where can we get some continuity? Gordon Cole. So is this is this an actual production note? Like, was uh, Miguel Ferrer unable to return as Albert? Um, I didn't see anything that explicitly said as much, but very shortly after Twin Peaks, he appeared on The Tales of the Crypt in okay. a recurring role. All right. It was released in 1991. And he was on the NBC miniseries Drug Wars, which I had not heard of, but starred Benicio Del Toro. Oh, huh. Yeah. So he he had a busy year. Yeah. Um, he does and, appear in Firewalk with me. Mm-hmm. The line um, the line that Gordon gives as he arrives, like almost like implies that he is here to fill the yes. Albert role. Because he's like, I have the results back from Albert. <laughs> he can't be here right now. And it's like, okay. <laughs> he won't be back. He's, I'm sorry. I can't, suspicious. Do, yeah. I can't do the Gordon voice. But um, also just a lot of, I, I, I hesitate to say fun because we get into that same territory about like ableism and ability. But they seem to be, they're having fun with the idea of like a person being hard of hearing. And, like, the miscommunications that are happening. Yeah. I don't see it as totally mean-spirited. It's not the same as Leo. It's definitely not on that level. But, like, the idea that we're drawing humor from, like, someone's physical difference. Also, he's he's the fucking local chief of the FBI. His, His disability, if you want to call it that, has in no way impeded his, like, success as a lawman. In fact, he's Cooper's direct superior, which Cooper is the best lawman Harry's ever met, which means if this is superior, Gordon Cole, clearly fucking cream of the crop. I mean, in this show, that might be true. And like the characters around him aren't really reacting to what he's saying in a humorous way. But like for the audience, if you're drawing some kind of humor from like his line where he says, what's this about a chihuahua or like whatever um like that kind of i think brings into question like how we're like thinking about and writing characters like that true um i just i i do want to i i i do feel like it's though played for humor it's in a way that's not like haha he's hard of hearing like yeah yeah like i feel like it's more just like this is like it's almost as much his personality and like that being okay as it is like actually but i could be totally wrong here obviously i can't like i mean it's not like a joke like on him and i think that does make it different but like the humor is generated from the misunderstandings that come from him being hard of hearing yeah um can we just talk about the way david lynch pronounces chihuahua which is chihuahua yes (laughs) that has nothing to do with anything about any you know just, it's he just says it weird. <laughs> Do you see Cooper as a small Mexican Chihuahua? Um, let's see. Do I actually wait? You know, you know which Chihuahua we know. Yeah, kind of like I can see it with like Chiquito. Uh huh. Chiquito's got that those like wide wise eyes. Shout out to yeah. Shout Very out to Chiquito if you're listening to this out there, you old beautiful pup you. <laughs> um we miss you i miss you it's been a while longer since i've seen that pup since you have so yeah uh oh boy miss that dog yeah. anyway uh yeah i can see it i could also see um i could see uh cooper is a very is a very docile uh sheeb a shiba inu <laughs> i can see it i can see it um 
I don't know. I can't think of any other Twin Peaks dogs com- dog comparisons, and I kind of don't want to. We could be here for hours doing that. It's like that episode of Parks and Recreation. Mm, Do you yeah. know what I'm thinking of? Okay. I think so. Anyway, um, also not a Parks and Recreation podcast. Putting the pin in that. <laughs> uh, um, but this is not the last we're going to see of Gordon Cole. It's not, thankfully. Um, he is a delight, though. Yeah. Always a good time. You know who's not having a good time this episode? Tell me. Sheriff Truman. True. True. We've already talked about how he has to deal with the fucking mystery teens again. Getting up to their <laughs> Fucking bullshit. up his investigations. But with Josie leaving, uh, Harry is very sad. Josie, I love you. And cold shoulder. <laughs> and not too much of a spoiler to say, but I watched this scene and as sad as i was you know for josie and for sheriff truman i was reminded that is not too much of a spoiler but what is to come next is sheriff truman being a real sad boy just like real real beat up about this and i was like oh god it's on from one plot line i'm not a big fan of to another (laughs) why did we decide to do a podcast about this show i don't know Actually, wait, okay, let's rewind back to when I said that Shelly and Norma were the best friends in Twin Peaks. You know who I was forgetting? Who? Truman and Cooper. That's true. I love the little moment earlier this episode. Uh, did you pick up on this when they're just returned? They're at the book house, or maybe they're maybe they're in Truman's office or something. But it's when they've just returned from One-Eyed Jacks, and Audrey's like safe and sound, and... Truman tells Cooper he's the best lawman he's ever known and then pours him a coffee. And it's got to be like four in the morning. But these two are using coffee to cope and to de-stress and to have a just a little just like bond, just a little bonding moment. And I love it. Yeah. So uh, lesson being Truman should only have storylines with Cooper. He should maybe only appear in scenes with Cooper. Yeah. Then we avoid. I mean, it's a it's a total Watson Sherlock situation. Yeah. In a in a in a totally totally not like hammy way, I feel like. Yeah, totally. Um, shit. Oh god, I'm drawing a blank on his name, and I've been like so good with that this episode with like having that and then not fucking it up. Who plays Truman? Michael Ankeen. Michael Ankeen. He's not in a lot of other things. Yeah. What do you think about generally his performance? Up to this point, I think that the sad boy arc that is to come, I'm like, uh. yeah. But what do you what, what do you think about the sheriff? I mean, he occupies this weird like main character role, yet doesn't like move the plot along himself. Nope. Actually, no. Nope. Um, I think he's fine like in this role, and I would imagine that like at this point in the series, the role is really catered to like his abilities and his range and like how he generally just like plays things as an actor which i think is definitely true of harry goaz as uh andy um and i think that might be why we haven't seen harry goaz in a lot of things uh mm. post andy brennan he's he's been in like two things after this and he was a deputy in both of them weird i didn't yeah. know that yeah um i like i said he's fine in this role but I, i'm not seeing him like give this incredible range that I, I could see like being transferred over to another role very easily. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, 
feel like he up to this point in the series has just been like at best a reassuring presence Mm -hmm. and at worst just like why is why is this dude the sheriff like really is there anyone well hawk is more qualified hawk can fucking throw knives like a pro yeah apparently i don't know why he's out (laughs) calling up the pearl lakes records office instead of running the fucking town (laughs) look you put look if you want to you you want to put this like you know deadly caricature and charge the town everybody's gonna get in line real quick no one's gonna be blabbing about the darkness in the woods they're just gonna be nice law-abiding citizens (laughs) hank oh if he had to deal with sheriff hawk no no way sheriff truman pushover sheriff hawk he will he will murder you He's not, he's not gonna murder you he's well, gonna he's gonna lawfully obtain a warrant to search hank's house and then take some evidence lawfully submit it to court and get this dude convicted well that or he'll just put on the he'll just like do the little bookhouse boy tear and then straight up kill a dude with a throwing <laughs> knife like he has a limited number of times he can do that with no repercussions <laughs> You get He's three. Got- Every bookhouse boy gets three murders. <laughs> if you had crossed that line, you're out of the club. That could Harry's, be a real Harry's rule. already out of murders, and that's why he can't effectively govern the town. <laughs> uh, that's not, see, this is the valuable headcanon we want. The bookhouse boy's murdering rules. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, where'd it go from here? I got um, notes all over. Still you, know got what, you know what I've been wondering? Major Briggs is so delightful. Do you think he's met Shelly? Do you think Shelly's like had dinner at the Briggs place? Yet? Oh, God, no. But do you think that like... I think Major Briggs would love Shelly. <laughs> I think... I mean, I'm imagining this scene with Don Davis in my head right now. And I'm loving it. And I already did it once in the episode. But I wish I could just impersonate and embody the kind of zen calm that Don Davis <laughs> brings to Major Briggs at all times. Yeah, I mean, that would be that'd be great. But I don't think they've met. I think that Bobby's at least smart enough to be like, maybe I shouldn't bring my, my girlfriend my married who's girlfriend. married to the, to the brain dead dude now, who's also maybe a murderer, suspected of the murder of my last girlfriend to the well, house. He's still technically like, mourning because it's been maybe two weeks at this it's point it's been about two weeks at this point which also how many times have james and donna been on again off again in this point i just don't know i don't know it's a very realistic teen relationship in that way it just kind of sucks because they both look like they're clearly in their 20s this is i feel like really the point where like it's not about laura anymore Mm-hmm. Like, um, there was that scene a couple episodes ago where Donna was like, why is everything about you, Laura, talking to her grave? And at that point, like, everything was about Laura because she had died like a week ago. Yeah. Get over yourself, Donna. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but at this point, like, Laura's death is no longer propelling the plot in the way that it was. Yeah. Um, this is, this is very, very, very true. Um... Can we have a moment for Drape Runner Corner? Hey, okay. And maybe this time I'll actually put the music in like I said I would. 
Hey, <laughs> didn't do that. Whoops. You never bad. went back and fixed that like you said you were going nope, to? Nope, okay. did not, because right. I would have had to track it down. Fuck it. Just fuck it. Drape Runner Corner. Woo! Uh, Ed and Nadine. Woo! Um, holy shit. I just have to say it again. This is basically the only thing I want to bring up, because it was a very short scene this episode. But Everett McGill's freaked out face yes. is... I will crack a big grin at seeing that any any time any time that face is pulled um that's why this scene not all of the okay drape runner corner mode off not all the ed and nadine scenes work for me truthfully <laughs> but they work they work 110 wow, percent admission yeah they work 110 percent if if everett mcgill pulls that face you know the face I'm talking about. Do I? Yeah, I do. The shock face? I do. What do you think about where this is being taken right now, though? Because Nadine's storyline? Okay, in the context of people who are not in possession of their faculties, necessarily, what the... Okay, like, we're supposed to think it's funny that Nadine thinks she's a teenager and is just down to get dirty with ed like that's supposed to be funny and it's it's not it's really bad it's like all kinds of like weird and like weird moral territory that's also just like he also doesn't want to be in this relationship in the first place anymore Mm -hmm. like he was just about to come around to maybe loving nadine and then nadine came back to him and is not the same person anymore See, I don't, this is just so cartoonish and like just not medically possible that I just don't have the same feelings. It's it's a bit like all the times in the Flintstones when Fred would get hit with his bowling ball and then become a different person for the whole episode. Only these are not cartoon people and there is some, some, I mean, there's a lot of funny shit happening or a lot of supposed to be funny shit happening, but there's some dark bad vibes happening elsewhere in this town i could even accept like the brain injury explanation but for her super strength the super strength is ridiculous now we we, i mean it's also weird because it was exhibited before yes that's what's so weird about it like why is nadine just super strong is it that she Is, is it that like prior to this injury she could control her super strength and now post brain injury she cannot control her super strength is this secretly heroes ew save the cheerleader save the world ew. nadine's a cheerleader this is not a heroes podcast <laughs> Did you watch that show um i watched part of the first season and then i was like nope too many characters none of them going anywhere yeah yeah <laughs> also something though you could probably level against twin peaks and lost a number of shows, really. A number of beloved <laughs> mystery type television shows. Really, huh. really ambitious shows with great first seasons that just immediately go <laughs> off the rails the with the introduction of additional characters. Oh boy! Wow. Yeah. All right. I think we've identified a pattern. <laughs> if you if you like these, if you like all these shows without reservations, you need to really rethink your life and your relationship to television. For me to you. You don't have to take me seriously, but you probably should. Um, that was Drape Runner Corner. What do you want to move on to? Um, you know, 
you know where are we um oh we see leland like being leland Yes. Not like not like distressed post Laura's death, Leland, but like how Leland was prior to the pilot, mm-hmm. which is strange. Um, I like I love it. Like I love imagining like him and Ben getting up to some like evil shit. Uh huh. But it's easy to forget that he wasn't always like compulsively singing and dancing and crying and like throwing himself on coffins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it it definitely changes, like, um, how one thinks about Laura's life prior to her death. Yeah. Uh, Richard Bamer gets a bunch of great screen time this episode. The scene with Leland is good, too. And and Ray Wise, I mean, he sells it. He has that whole little, like, rattling off, like, the the twisted shit they could do about the Ghostwood Estates. And he's, well, he's, he's a smarter Jerry. That's actually a note I wrote down is Cleveland is a better version of Jerry. I was just thinking that. I was just thinking that they were probably like incredible partners in crime. Yeah. Uh, it seems like Jerry is, is I mean, blood relations, sure. But Ben in this scene is clearly excited to have his main, his main band back, have the, have the gang back together. It's, it's like... When you see your main dude and you know you're about to go wild. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> uh, that's what this scene is. Are you going to tweet that? Maybe. I, think I, don't think the, I don't think the other tweet got any love. Did you notice my brother favorited that? Oh, I didn't know. My I brother did in. favorite that. Um, and my brother has not watched Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Leland doing that. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. Yeah. Um, and then wait, can... Okay, so Mr. Tajimura. Yes. I... Here's the thing. I wrote down, it is very obvious the thing about Mr. Tajimura. And then I went on Usenet, and apparently this was not as obvious to people as you would think it was. I want to give people the benefit of the doubt and be like, maybe they were watching on really bad TVs. That's I don't know possible. what the 90s was like. But it's, it's, but it's still... Like, should we wait? I feel like we should wait. I don't want to. Let's, let's just. Not, let's I would rather it. not talk about Mr. Tajimura this episode. Period. That portrayal continues to be racist. Other than Pete is a cultured man. Yes. <laughs> would you? Would you care for a sake? <laughs> Which <laughs> it's damn fine food time. Yeah. That's the theme song now. Uh, <laughs> Wait, so my mom was texting me about this episode and she was like, just giving me some unsolicited thoughts about the food segment section. Okay. And she was like, so you could do, oh my God, I forgot how long this text message was. Um, We could do cake or milk or sake, but do you want to know how she spelled sake? How? S-O-C-K-I. Ah. Yeah, it's S-A-K-E. Anyway. I fuck like cake is in this episode and we didn't go with just like a nice cake. I had the sake at my house. Yeah, I was also the first thing I thought of. So we both have uh, just some sake, some rice wine, like a shot each. Okay. Do you want to wait? Can you say can we talk about the smell? The smell. Okay. You say what you think it smells like. Okay. I'm going to say what other people have told me it smells like, which is sunscreen. All right. I took a whiff of it without having been primed with that, and I thought it smelled like the icing 
on a cinnamon bun. And now we're both kind of in agreement. It smells like a mixture of sunscreen and cinnamon bun icing. All right. Mm, that's good. It is coconut and lemongrass sake. Oh, so it's like actually flavored. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, definitely getting a coconutty aftertaste now. Yeah. Um, Full disclosure, bought this at a restaurant quite some time ago, and it has been waiting to be finished Well, since it's, then. It's finished now. Hooray. Yay. Um, other than the aftertaste, that was really good. It was damn yeah. fine. Yeah. I, I like sake. this flavored sake better than like... The cheap sake that I've gotten before when I've gone to a restaurant and been like, give me your cheapest sake. Yeah, well, maybe don't <laughs> say that in the future. <laughs> Just a guess. Oh, boy. Yep, that was the food segment. It was either that or cold milk. And nope. weren't going to do that for obvious reasons. Um, Pete, I love him. I love him to death. And sad that we only see him... Uh, well. <laughs> I love the way Pete reveals himself in this situation, which is Tajamura's watching... Leland make an ass of himself and pulling Ben in with him. And then he goes, the king and I. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think just proves that Jack Nance can say anything and make me laugh. Yeah, it is. Have you read about Jack Nance's death? No. Whoa, wait, you don't know about this? No, I don't. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. So I don't know that I'm going to get all of the details correct. But, um back up to prior to his death he had been married to like a very a much younger woman who was like in the porn industry who like had recently like committed suicide oh my gosh um and then like a year or two later he was in what he said was a bar fight um he just like went somewhere and saw someone and was like very beaten up um and he was like oh yeah i was in a bar fight um but there's no record of this fight like no one remembers it there's no police report of it Anyway, um, he was found dead in his home like a day or two later of like uh, like blunt force head trauma, but his blood alcohol level was like 0.34. Jeez. That's just, I thought that this was, mm, I'm sad now. I'm sorry. I didn't know that I you thought didn't that know because this. you wanted to tell the story, there was going to be some no. like strange, like maybe like some kind of like mysterious circumstance but it just well no it's it is mysterious because like he said that he was injured in this fight that there's no record of he is like listed on the like list of like mysterious deaths which is how i find this information sounds more like the occam's razor answer is just sadder and i'm gonna be sad about it for the rest of the night and i'm sorry listeners join me in sadness jack nance can't wait to see Eraserhead. Still haven't seen it yet. I'm sure we'll talk about that the week that I watch it, especially if you watch it too. Yeah, Ashley. we're going to have to do that. I really want to watch Inland Empire. I want to see Grace Zabriskie scream and do creepy things for two and a half hours. I am still of the opinion that we have to record one Are of these. You, wait, did you know that he was married to Katherine Coulson? Jack Nance? Yeah. No, I had no idea. They oh were gosh. married. They divorced oh. in 1976. Oh. Wow. Okay. A lot of sad right now. Man. Okay, happier note. I because you okay. This is the this is the I'm laying the fucking gauntlet down now because you just bummed me out so hard. We are going to do an episode of this show, of this podcast, after we immediately after we've watched Dune in the together. Okay, and gotten really drunk while watching okay. it, and it'll be okay. the worst episode of this show ever, probably. 
but it's gonna happen now because okay. you just you just brought down the mood um that's fine yeah so we're gonna we're definitely gonna do inland empire erase no, our we're head. gonna do all the movies dune wild at heart look if you want us to deliver a two-hour show when we get to the 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 season two doldrums <laughs> we're gonna have to talk about some movies too so yeah get ready listeners if you're into that let us know if you're into that please seems like you guys are into that if you've held on this long yeah seems like it anyway (laughs) um okay back to james but also maddie more importantly maddie okay um maddie's goodbye to james uh cheryl lee does some fucking fantastic acting in this scene Mm -hmm. um i think that with this like you know she, <laughs> i mean in a way she's almost monologuing off of james like it doesn't matter what james yeah, says at is, all n- no <laughs> and she's great she's awesome and it's great to see maddie get space to explore that's at least a step outside of this fucking love triangle now yeah, for real. um and to see Charlie get something more interesting to work with because they brought they brought her back because she was such a good actress in the laura flashbacks but then to like lock her into like two of the weakest performances on the show total disservice to her her abilities as an actress yeah um do you have any other thoughts either content wise or or about like just the scene um maddie feels a little underused because Mm. looking back it's just like oh weird thing with james resolved within an episode yeah Laura's sidekick, not Laura. Uh, Donna's, Donna's sidekick. sidekick. Yeah. Um, they're at the there gazebo, was a, there right? There was like a wealth of yeah, but there was like a wealth of other stuff that could have come up because we know that she had a weird psychic connection with Laura. Right. Yeah, and 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 also just like a it was was a strong receiver. Yeah. Like so. Well, I'll, I guess I'll get back into this later. I do want to bring up though. <laughs> Do you think that they arranged to meet at the gazebo knowing that that's where they had, like, led a man to get attacked and have a heart attack? <laughs> that cross their minds? Um, in the version of this show where James is a sociopath, yeah. <laughs> is that not the version we're watching? It might be. Um, that might explain a lot about his performance. Yeah. Um, but we are far and away from some of the worst James stuff we're going to see. Yep. Also, I just... <laughs> this is completely out of context now. I wish I could turn back time and and insert this where it was appropriate. But I, I wrote down one line and only one line this episode. Do you want to hear it? Yep. We figured, what the hell? Kazoos. <laughs> Thank you, Dana, for the great, great delivery on that line Beautiful. that I can't even to match can you just see that moment they're in the party store the only party store in twin beaks <laughs> and he's standing next to shelly and he says what the hell kazoos i can see it clear as day and also i see katherine colson standing down the aisle yes. just looking at them with such yeah. ire she's like buying some candles because <laughs> <laughs> it's the only place in twin peaks where you can get candles it's that small of a town it's yeah. either that or horns and you don't want to support horns yeah and i want to believe that that prior to this bobby had been home with major briggs <laughs> and they'd had a moment where he was like yeah i'm gonna go plan a party for a friend well son i hope you have a very good night please be back by 10 
I care about you very much. We have a very special bond. God, I love Don Davis. And it's sad now because he has also passed. This is a bummer. This podcast. Okay. All right. We've been circling this. And now we're at the end of the episode. We've circled the drain. Let's talk about Philip Gerard, the one-armed man. Yeah, wait. How Mike, <laughs> how have we That's not? That's like the most of, important part. Because I've carefully, in what I've brought up, steered away from it so that we would be able to talk about everything all in one go. Nice. Okay. You like that? You like yes. those high-level mind games I've been playing by yes. just not talking about those <laughs> notes? Yeah. I would not have like objected if you're like, let's talk about the one-armed man. I've been like, cool, yeah. But... <sighs> Let's talk about it's him just, now. It's easy to forget about Laura's death at this point. <laughs> Is it? Everyone else has. Everyone else has. It's true. <laughs> um, well, I guess. Yeah, we have a we have a chess a chess deal mentioned earlier that has nothing to do with Laura's death. Wyndham Earl. So uh, soon, Cooper will forget about Laura's death. Yeah, yeah Philadelphia. Important. There's no resemblance to that case. Um, but right around the time of that chess deal, hey, they found the one-armed man finally. Yeah. Um, and we deny him his halipare at all. Kind of questionable policing there. Um, uh, but if you do, if you give them medicine, you'll never see the other side, as Gordon tells us. And we get a big dump of exposition. Spooky yeah. exposition. Yeah. Can you do the voice or no? My name is Mike. No, I can't. No, I can't. can't you can't. can't. <laughs> he goes so deep. He goes so deep with his voice. That's oh my gotta god! Be like a like a vocal effect. I don't think so. I think, fuck. What's that actor's name? Oh, oh man, we're the uh, worst. Uh, you you give your thoughts on the scene while I um, dutifully Wikipedia this. Well, this confirms a lot of the supernatural kind of vibe of this show. It definitely is not the alien vampire owl theories that have been floating around the internet. But this is where the show really... Um, just... Is it? Is it though? Okay. It delves head on into um, the supernatural, which I think is was probably off-putting for casual viewers of the show. Yeah, straight up calls himself an inhabiting spirit. Uh, the episode title is Demons. Um, and of course, you know, double, triple, whatever meanings, I don't know. Uh, but Al Strobel, the actor, the one-armed man, Phil mm-hmm. Gerard, Mike, uh, I think I think he can just do that deep voice. I think he can just do it, and it's to fucking. And I, maybe there's some like uh, some after effects uh, applied to the kind of like snarl, yeah. sort of choking sound. Yeah. But that's like also like clearly like some real recorded stuff that he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's he's a fucking presence on screen, both as Philip Gerard mm-hmm. and as Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, I I loved how unassuming he was as Philip Gerard. Yeah. Just, just a, just a fucking boot salesman. Like, what are yeah. you gonna do? Why? But why then to like here? turn and be, he's like the same level as Bob, and like that's obviously because like their characters are supposed to yeah. be these like eternal comrades or whatever. But like to to bring it up to like the 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 spoopiness of Frank Silva <laughs> crawling over a couch. Yes, um, it's it's weird, and I don't think this is just because like I know where the show is going and I've seen it before or whatever. But like I do get the. I get the an equal dose from his performance spookiness and also that I mean he's just there talking to them and he is he is he's 
coming across as powerful and like scary, but also like he has turned this new leaf. Like before he even gets to his history with Bob, like he is there, and this is a fucking event that one of these, one of these you know spirits that I guess inhabits Twin Peaks is just talking to residents. Yeah, but he is not Bob. He is not of the same. He is of the same ilk, but he is not of the same inclination anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Bob is a parasite. Bob, he feeds on fear and the pleasures. They are his children. Um, we just get, like, so much good, like, just stuff about and Bob and Bob's inclinations. And, and it, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like an information dump is the thing. Yeah, it is, but it also isn't because it just gives us these semi-cryptic pointers and, like, fills in, like, what we may have already known about Bob. But it also, yeah. like, you can take it very literally and you're on the, I think you're on the right bend, which is that he feeds on fear and this suddenly characterizes the darkness and why things are so weird in Twin Peaks in a different way now that ostensibly this you know if we take the the spirit at its word has come and confirmed that yeah supernatural things are afoot and fear is the catalyst fear is what is being pursued here but also pleasure and Mm -hmm. vices and kind of i think the intersection of those two things is really key and maybe specifically situations where someone is at a disadvantage and someone is taking pleasure in that yes also, just the pleasures that explains all the fucking affairs yes, going it does. on. Um, if you want fear and pleasure, trying to have a intimate moment with your new bow in front of your old bow, who is covered in streamers and a party hat, <laughs> and then he moves a little bit. That's fear and pleasure right there. There you go. That's that's some that's some Bob food being generated. Right there. And may God protect Shelly and Bobby. Yes. Do not give a fuck about Leo. Um, I saw the face of God and was purified. Like, this isn't just like... Like, the way in which Mike talks about this is kind of like steering us away from any kind of like, oh, space transmissions or stuff. Because we're talking about like angels and demons, essentially. Yeah. Like, we're talking biblical type stuff going down. Yeah, there is a, a, I don't have it, but a Bible verse that talks about someone seeing God and cutting off their right arm. There you go. Um, And you're a bad Bible reader for not knowing it by heart, Ashley. I have never read the Bible. You, I hope you read parts of it. Oh, for school. For school, we had to, for, for for college stuff. That's true. Where we were being very academic, we had to read the Bible. So I hope you weren't a delinquent. I was not a delinquent in, in that case. Did you go to all the Bible lectures, though, at nine in the morning? Mm, that's a good question. That was several years ago. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or you know because you know approximately how many of those you attended that semester. Anyway. Um, yeah, so this is like... I don't know. What do you think about the way in which Mike talks about his relationship to Bob? Because it either tells us a lot about what's actually going on or it dances around the subject of what their actual origin is. For instance, he can't say where they come from. Um, I like declines. that. I like that we don't get that information often. I think that like specifically in like fantastic world building scenarios, um, we get information that like we don't need. That's like not relevant to the plot. And then, 
that just takes up time and space that could be devoted to like character development or advancing the plot and where they come from isn't important at this juncture in the story yeah i think it is momentous enough that he is talking to them and that he confirms that the only reason why he still uh, possesses this useful vessel uh, why he still possesses uh philip gerard is to find bob and bob has also been in the twin peaks community for 40 years congratulations <laughs> it's probably not the first event that you can attribute like if we just think 40 years probably some other fucked up shit went on uh that bob is connected to in some way or another if not directly responsible for mm-hmm. or one of bob's ilk mike until he cut off the arm which True. was sometime in the last 40 years but probably uh not all that long ago uh he was out for the same thing out for the same fear fear uh currency let's call it and uh that's that's gotta be it's gotta be rough to be sheriff truman in that room right then yeah or hawk to be like ah shit my worst my worst fears are confirmed now like i always knew it but there is this dude the spirit telling me okay i'm gonna give up looking for this bible verse right now and i will find it it's okay and we'll talk about it at a later date okay i definitely remember looking at it and being like that's too obvious i don't need to take a note on that nope it's okay it's okay uh but i do i do like how like um biblical their story is it's really like cain and abel i have a i have a copy of the oxford bible on my bookshelf what if we what if we just opened a page and then we were at that exact (gasps) verse wouldn't that be spoopy Um, huh huh let's not do it i have to i have to get up and be in a whole ordeal i like sitting here i like sipping on this drink i have it's pretty good um tell me what you think about the the revelation at which, the very end of the episode. Which revelation? Where Bob's oh, hanging. Yeah, yeah. Um, it makes a lot of sense. That kind of seems to be the center of, of where bad things are happening. <laughs> the Great Northern? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Cooper got shot there, what, like four days ago? If yeah, that? Cooper got shot there. Ben Horn's there. Leland did a lot of business there. Mm-hmm. Jerry's there. Well, Jerry's not there currently. So but, Jerry, yeah, he's been around. If if we take the one on man at his word, Jerry, not Bob, or at least Bob's not possessing Jerry currently. So yeah, because we know that you know Bob only reveals his true form to the gifted and the damned. Yes, which also that says a lot about who's who's seen Bob Cooper maddie sarah is that it i mean laura but we know what happened to her yeah so who's gifted and who's damned Uh (laughs) uh-oh we don't know but we might find out um god leland leland yeah leland has seen bob uh out at pearl lakes so yeah the four um which also i mean that says it's then like I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I wish I love thinking about what the show would be like if Maddie had more time on her own and we could explore that sort of psychic yeah. bond a little bit more. But then I that mean, could also be really tacky. I don't know. But I it, like thinking about it. I like to think it would regardless just be better than the mystery teens. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But I yeah, mean, like, totally. there seems to be there's like a hotbed of psychic activity in the Palmer family. And the show just kind of doesn't comment on it. Yeah. Um, 
I have a comment, which if we deem after I say this for it to be too spoilery, because kind of spoilery, we can cut it. Okay. But lay it on me. Hear me out. Mike describes where Bob is currently uh, in, in a number of ways. It's surrounded by trees mm-hmm. in a, uh, a place made of wood with many rooms similar but holding different souls. Mm-hmm. And this is why it's semi-spoilery is that this is a good description of the place that Cooper saw in his dream in episode three. Like, as oh. this is not a bad description of that place, but to know that, you have to know a little bit more about that place and that yeah. vision that Cooper had. Is that too spoilery? Mm, no. Suffice to say, we have not, we're not done with red curtains it's not like people if you've seen anything about twin peaks and you are still new to the show listening to this you've probably seen the red curtains and zigzag floors all over the place and it's not just because of 10 minutes in one episode did you see that um showtime released a a promo for season three but it was just footage of the man from another place in in that room um it's just old footage it's just old footage that they like recut was it it looks actually, really fun. Was it actually Showtime? Yeah, Showtime actually released it like two days ago. Oh, yesterday, weird. yesterday. I, I scrolled past a tweet about that and thought it was just like a fan thing. No, no, no. It's real. Weird. I'll have to go check that out. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So there you have it. You're going to... We're not done with red curtains and zigzag floors. Also, can we talk about the fact that between us recording this episode and the last one, I was at a friend's place and I went in their bathroom and they had these wood paneled walls a red floor and then on the red floor there was a black and white zigzag like rug to like step on after you got out of the shower whose house where is this the thing is okay so this is my friend's apartment and Mm -hmm. that's a shared bathroom like she has like a kitchen and a bedroom and stuff but the bathroom is shared by all the residents on that floor oh like a boarding house situation so that's like a communal decision to make their bathroom seem like it's the Black Lodge. Really creepy. What? Creepy. Anyway, not the aesthetic I would want to invite into my own home, I think. Yeah, but. I was once considering um, for just doing that for like an event uh, for Ren Fair at the, at the Paradox. And then I was like, A, a lot of work. B, probably too scary for people who might be inebriated yeah i do want to say for those listeners out there don't worry about what the paradox or what ren fair is no just don't don't, don't, don't bother don't just, google it's, it it's a space and there was an event <laughs> and there's an event yeah that's how it's a space and there's an event that could be dialogue from this show anyway i think that covers it right I don't yeah. think we missed anything big. I mean, like, I do want to reiterate that I love, like, the one-armed man, and that was a really strong scene, but I, I, I don't know. I also feel like dissecting that monologue at this stage would be kind of premature. Mm. So do you want me to to go back and no. cut that bit? Okay. No. All right. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to production notes, the, the thing that you do, because I would be shit at it. 
<laughs> I don't have a, a lot and or any production notes. I mean, this was directed by Leslie Linka Glotter, who we've seen direct a couple of previous um, episodes, written by Harley Payton and Robert Engels. Okay. Who've written a number of previous episodes. I also wonder what it was like to like direct David Lynch. That's gotta be weird, right? Yeah. And like to think that like David Lynch was like in that scene when they were shooting the one armed man's monologue. Like, do you think he, like, after take, he was like, actually, as executive producer, I'm gonna step in here and give this some creative direction? Yeah, I don't know. It could, it could be, and it could, could be totally. Or do you fine. think he was like working on some See, this other is stuff. why you do the productions thing, because I wouldn't even fucking thought of this question, but it's so obvious. <laughs> it's yeah. not that obvious. It's, he's there. He's like the guy. Um, yeah. I I think it's like also a sign of good faith that like David is like willing to be a part of this show when he isn't explicitly mm-hmm. at the at the steering wheel. Um I I wonder though like I'm thinking about the mystery twins when I don't want to be. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if I wonder how much of how insufferable James and Donna are uh is intended by intended by david lynch intended by everybody responsible for the production and how much of that is a response to because we 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 touched on this briefly a week or two ago but a response to blue velvet and the mystery solving teens who are not annoying in that movie a response how like do you like was this like a failed attempt at recreating that team no i i don't i don't even see it as an attempt at recreating it but so much as like if i look at it compared to the sort of like i've seen blue velvet twice now and i like feel way more invested and like along for the the messy awkward ride that is the relationship between uh kyle and laura dern's characters that i am with james donna but james donna in that way are more realistic teenagers and more realistic as failures that's as true. investigative that's true uh whodunit kids like <laughs> trying to come up with other things than mystery twins <laughs> the whodunit gang um <laughs> there they are no mystery incorporated but that's also like that's that's scooby-doo yeah, I was yeah. going to go for a Scooby-Doo yeah. reference, but um, you beat me to it. Sorry. Uh, but that's, like, maybe more true to life, in a way? <laughs> that they suck so bad and are so annoying to watch their lovey-dovey antics? Like, teen heterosexual love is is rarely a nuanced or fun to be witness no. to. I think we can both agree. No, not at all. If you see teens necking on the bus, how do you feel, Ashley? Oh, God. I, I, uh, there was a teen couple at New Seasons, and I was just trying to like buy some groceries, and they were just making out in front of the kombucha, and I just wanted some kombucha. <laughs> That's such a Portland problem. <laughs> I, know. I just wanted some kombucha and then I went and then I went to the coconut water aisle and oh my goodness this hipster was standing there waxing his mustache and then I saw Kyle McLaughlin as the mayor of Portland and I was like oh my god it's Dale oh my god oh my god oh my god um, but yeah. really though those those kids need to not stand in front of food when they're making out go somewhere else yeah do you is 
is do, do Bobby and Shelley rank pretty highly in your list of favorite heterosexual pairings on television now? Yeah, they're up there. Who are some other examples in that tier for you? Um, some favorite heterosexuals. Oh, I have to think about this. I mean, <laughs> Kanye and Kim, clearly. Yeah, I mean, Kanye and Kim, like, very top of that list. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really have to think about this um, because I don't care about heterosexuals. That's fair. I'd say um, Penny and Desmond from Lost. I, I that's st- your choice. I would still cry every time I watch that one episode, The Constant. I might do that tonight. I'm already in kind of a low down sad vibe now. Yeah. I still haven't come up with any other heterosexuals. <laughs> like you literally can't think of any other. <laughs> this is um... this is how enlightened you are is that you've completely <laughs> forgotten what heterosexual couples are on television. Um... Or is that you now just like disregard most of them i keep like i keep going back to like idris elba because i can always like define something i like about his characters (laughs) so now i'm just thinking about um john luther and alice morgan and like they're not really a couple oh well uh uh-oh so so kanye and kim Mm -hmm. shelly and bobby that's it that's all i got that's a that's a fine list what about um what about scott and uh scott disick and Honestly, okay, I'm very upset right now because Scott Disick has been photographed frolicking around Miami with an 18-year-old. Whoops. Oh, God. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. But this is for a different podcast. Yeah, you can listen to the K-Hole if you want to hear me. We'll talk about that later. Scott. I listened to it today. We'll talk about that at the end of the show Okay. when we plug our things. Twin Peaks. That's what we're talking about. Can you think of other? <laughs> Can I think of other headers? Well, okay. Um, this is like this is like when Billy Eichner like screams at people like name a white person, <laughs> and you're just like uh, uh, Donald Glover. No. Wait, no. Um, uh, shit. Let's see. Well, I keep wanting to say uh, Larry and Piper. <laughs> Stop. That's a heterosexual couple everyone loved watching the antics of. Um, uh, God. I mean, I just uh, um, Raleigh uh, and Mako from Annie and Jeff or Britta and Jeff community. That's that's a show you're that's into. A show. Ooh, okay, Ben and Leslie. Okay, Ben, ben and Leslie. Yeah, oh yeah, Ben and Leslie. That's ben and delightful. Leslie. Also, um, um, April shit. and Andy. April and Andy. There you go. Hey, okay. this show has two heterosexuals. Two positive <laughs> examples of heterosexuals. Does that does that show have any? Queer couples? No, there were n- never. Well, hey. no, Billy Eichner's character, Craig. Okay, I. You know what? That's one of the things is that I have not watched enough of that show to actually get to where Billy's in it. But that's we're not a fucking Parks and Rec podcast. I already said this. Look, okay. you, look at the trick um, you pulled on me. <laughs> Damn com- it! Comment with some heterosexual couples. This show is for spooky owls, not little Sebastian. Okay. <laughs> All right. You keep your you keep your fucking charming, well written, amazing sitcoms that I haven't finished watching out of it. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. That Let's makes me a real on. comedy poser that I haven't finished watching that show. Anyway. I know. Hey, I've watched Twin Peaks a number of times though, so I'm doing something right. Um, yeah. You know what? I have a lot of TV I could be watching, but I started Sailor Moon instead. <laughs> I mean, fighting evil by moonlight is basically what <laughs> Dale Cooper does. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's a full circle. Um, let's never talk backs about... down from a real fight. <laughs> <laughs> He's the about... one called Dale Cooper. Ta-ta-ta. 
I'm really into that. Okay. Um, so let's talk about uh, the Usenet groups. So okay. I we actually can't talk about a lot of what was posted this week because it was all speculation that happens to be true about upcoming episodes. Okay. So let's just leave it at that. No, no, no. There was a thing that happened, though. Oh, fuck. You're going to drag me back in, aren't you? Yeah, I'm going to drag you back in. Welcome back to 1990. So someone... I wasn't around. What do you mean, welcome no. back? This is my first time there. <laughs> What's up? You don't have real cell phones yet, 1990? <laughs> hey, is Vanilla Ice a thing yet? And if so, why? Why? Okay, moving on. Um, So someone compiled this very, like tongue-in-cheek list of like uh like frequently asked questions with questions like who killed laura palmer answer we don't know who is the dark figure in the woods with leo we don't know etc etc pretty tongue-in-cheek but there are like lots of replies there's like 40 replies to this which is pretty unusual because it's a lot of people just posting topics and no one responding Mm -hmm. for the most part um but then, so one of the one of the questions says, why was Donna acting slutty for a few episodes? We don't know. And then someone said, couldn't we think of a better way to phrase this? And I saw the internet as what it is now, a flame war about <laughs> gender and social roles. Wow. Um, this I mean, I was I wanted to say, don't you like you said most Usenet topics are just a topic that's out there in the void, and don't you don't you kind of long for the days of the internet when you would just like throw out your opinion and no one would no one would respond I'm and sure. it wouldn't become a thing. No one would see it, which is great, which is which is bad because then people who agree or people who are interested in having con- like a real genuine conversation with you wouldn't see it or respond to it. But also, people who wanted to just tear you a new one wouldn't see it and try to just, like, make your life a living hell. Now, obviously, I think I come on the side of, like, why are we going to say it that way? Like, what's that supposed to mean? Like, let's dig into this a little deeper. And then you know, I would be part of a flame war, I guess. Yep. Uh, someone says something very reasonable and says, couldn't we find a better word than slutty here? It has such negative connotations, and it is rarely used to describe the actions of men. It comes across as pretty sexist. Nobody calls Ben Horn a slut. Very reasonable point that you would hear someone making today. Ben Horn is a slut. If we're using that word. We're not going to use that word other than for that low-hanging fruit joke. Let's say, and, and when I say let's, I mean er, me. I will say this on that subject which is that there's there's a connotation to that word that would in any reasonable interpretation suggest that donna's actions were at all like kind of enticing when they weren't yeah james is james and harold are apparently drawn in by this siren that is donna God, we can't go like five minutes without bringing up Donna and we then really like can't. laying it's in. It's really tragic. But th- it just doesn't make any sense. Why is this even the thing that people are focusing on? It's just so clear that her character is bad and that oh, she yes. wants to be someone she's not, which um, is Laura. She does want to be Laura. And we do know that. But then someone... Um... The reasonable question is, why is Donna trying to be Laura when Laura clearly did not lead... A life one should want to imitate, I guess. 
Yes, that is a that is a good question. And then this whole conversation, uh, someone makes this point and says, I've heard that the show is anti-women and I love the show and I'm willing to let some things pass by. But like it's bringing up some valid points about like the portrayal of Donna's character, the way people have been talking about Donna and other women um, on these boards. And it just it goes exactly where you think it would go. So use there's that. something. Oh, here we go. Uh, there's someone talking about the First Amendment and how uh, political oh, correctness is censorship. <laughs> no one is censoring you on Usenet. Case in point, you posted that dumb shit about the First Amendment and probably the majority of people were like, yeah, yeah, this is the fucking future free speech right here, the internet, and you're why things are the way they are today and why people give talks at the UN on web harassment. So no one's stopping you from saying the things you want to say they're just maybe asking that you don't be such an asshole about it right yep yep i think i think the founding fathers even the worst of them would have agreed maybe being an asshole isn't the solution maybe you might be onto something or not i mean some of the founding fathers got in duels with each other and did really fucked up shit so they weren't great people but just, like, looking through the rest of these replies, like, it's the same shit you hear people saying today. Like, oh, yeah, but, like, Audrey's really spunky. And, like, that makes this show not anti-women at all. That invalidates that whole argument. Spunky? Yes. The word spunky was verbatim in that. I think today the, char- the, 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 the it's feminist would be she's a strong female character. <laughs> With sexual agency. You have to be like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean, though? But this is also like something that we've been we've been talking about that's been coming up in this podcast a lot is like how the show treats women and um I'm just I'm glad to see that people were talking about this yeah you while it was airing you would have had kindred spirits watching the show if you were around when it was being aired live Alas. which is good yeah um what's <laughs> to bring us back down though what's sad is that or what's sad is that I'm guessing the way in which television was approached critically, this wasn't on the radar probably at all. I wouldn't think so. Like today, whenever any show like fucks up even a tiny bit in terms of like, in like a very subtle way, like I don't, I don't want to pretend that there's a way to quantify this or that like these aren't issues of debate sometimes, but when like a show does a bad you can rest assured that it will be called out and it will be called out by people with platforms and with voices. Mm -hmm. And maybe sometimes that's still like kind of like on the fringe and you're not going to see it. And like, if you, you know, you're not going to see it on the biggest platforms talking about this kind of stuff and, and appealing to that, those audiences, but it'll be brought up. It will be an issue of discussion. Um, and it is not as easy as it may have been on the Usenet days to shut down voices that want to have a serious conversation about the ways in which shows handle these things. Um, so maybe like we're better off today than we were then, but I just like, can't imagine that like people were having uh, uh, like people were having in like the pages of like magazines about television stuff, intelligent discussions, like adding to a, a conversation about how, like the the successes and pitfalls of representation in Twin Peaks, like 
there were magazine spreads that are just like, look at the sexy cast. Like, that's probably 90% like, what's the mystery? What's going on? What does the dancing man mean? Sexy cast. Like, that's my impression of how, like, magazines like Rolling Stone treated it then. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would imagine that, and this is evidence, that these conversations were happening. But I think even in the past few years, like, we've seen... Um, social justice concerns and like feminism specifically become like very mainstream and like really be like capitalized on by publications on the internet like buzzfeed for instance Mm -hmm. yeah not to say that all that content is like is like well one free from the shackles of capitalism yeah no it's being it's being thrown up there for clicks and views and stuff um but also that all of it like contributes helpfully to a conversation like yeah isn't like even it's true. it's some like i don't know it's 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 definitely like a mixed bag but the the point being that like buzzfeed has identified that like this is an audience there are people who want to read right. this so they're making an effort they're to also, curate and publish that yeah and a lot of people there are doing good work but then also you know sites like that will post like articles like is beyonce feminist and it's just like okay what <laughs> Like, this is, a, this is like, like the, I mean, then you get into the problem of just, like, very white-centered feminism, which is just, like, historically... Not good. Uh, well, historically not good, but also historically not even a thing. Like, not even necessarily, like, like what feminism, when, like, you actually, like, look into it and, like, look into what it's done. Like, it's, like, not been, like, a fucking, like, always, like, just, like, a 100%, like, white monopolized movement. But I mean, like, the early, like, first and second wave feminism was, like, very, like, exclusive to the white people. Sure. But then for a long time, it hasn't been. But with the internet um, stuff, I feel like... I don't know that it's that long. I wouldn't... I mean, you can, I mean, you like, can the make thing the argument is, that the it hasn't been is, if like, you want to... Going back to, like, the suffragette movement, the argument was, like, black men can vote. Why can't white women? We right. should be able, like, as white women should be able to vote if black men can vote. The argument kind of just being, like, we're, we're superior. Now, now we're just getting into the discussion, but, like, yes, but then in, in these historical eras where it's, like, yeah, we can point to, like, the... the, the hallmark moments and movements like the voices of people of color in those movements that have like since like not been surfaced in the history but that were still important and stuff like what's happening with what's that stonewall is that the name of the movie uh yeah the movie that's fucking tanked like fucking by doing the exact opposite by taking a critical moment at a point in history that was like pioneered by people of color and uh transgender people trans women and fucking be like nah it was all just like white gay dudes <laughs> who made like this happen some, sh- some straight acting white gay dudes like that's why i you know i just it, it's a double-edged sword now like yes I, I think it's as you suggest we get more discussion about this stuff but a lot of it is of that like mind where it's just like it's not really taking it seriously like they don't look at the intersections they don't do it and they don't like want to talk about tv in that way for instance, okay, well, let's talk about it now because we're basically at the end of the episode, right? Do we have anything yeah, else to talk we're, about? we're at the end. Uh, I want to plug your podcast with our friend Taylor, Thank the you. K-Hole. Uh, I listened to it today. I'm not someone who's, I think, ever watched a full episode <laughs> of any of the Kardashian shows. 
Um, but it's a very serious show that takes a serious approach, though also with like time to stop and smell the roses and ask what's up with certain members of the of the clan and uh, talk about looks and stuff, which is, you know, it's all good. But also like you're taking the show on very seriously. And it's fucking mind boggling to me that like this is like a good idea. It's a good idea. Probably hats off to you. People aren't fucking doing this. People aren't trying to talk about these things seriously and take these lenses to them. And I just hope that if you're listening to this show, you'd be into that. You'll be into that show. Whether or not you've watched the Kardashians, you should check it out. They're doing good work. Thank you. It's uh, it's fun. And you don't think... need to listen to me say it. I'm a dumbass. Just go listen to the fucking show. That's the only thing you should take away from me. Don't take my plugging, my terrible filtering of it. Just go listen to the show. But yeah, Support Ashley. Uh, thank you. Support Taylor. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's just fun to have these conversations and, um, I, I think it's fun to have this conversation about a form of media that doesn't get this kind of critical attention because it's operating through the same, the same artistic channels more or less. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I definitely already have different thoughts about how reality television is made and maybe I wouldn't like be on that level if I'd ever like really looked into it or thought about it. But, like, it's, you know, I learned a lot listening to that today. So go check that out. You also have another show. I do. Uh, called Yeah, I've Seen That, which... Which you titled that. Yeah. Thank thank you. I didn't have to say it. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm kind of proud of that. It was yeah. like off the cuff, and I think... I haven't, I haven't been able to listen to that one yet. It's fine. I have to listen to your other show. <laughs> In addition to make this one with you. And then we have another friend who has another podcast that I need to go listen to, so... Yeah. Ooh, I boy. mean, you have a podcast. Which my mom listens to. Oh, no. Sorry, Kathy. I mean, that's great. Cool. Awesome. When is my mom just going to bypass me and just start texting you? Oh, I think you're... (laughs) Kathy, if you're listening, which you are, I mean, please don't grab my... Please don't get my number, but if you get it out of Ashley, I guess that says a lot about our friendship. The friendship between me and her. And I guess I won't do anything about it, and I'll answer your questions. But Ashley, please don't. I, you know, I'm bad about responding to texts. So you're not that bad. Um. Anyway, you have a movie podcast with uh, Sandra Dianda uh, called "Yeah, I've Seen That," where you talk about movies. What movie did you talk about this week? We talked about um, "Forte Majeure," which is a Swedish language film about um, gender roles and notions of like family and selfhood. Um, it's really, it's really heavy, and it was Sandra's suggestion. I wasn't familiar with it, and it is quite good. And so there you go, another podcast that I assure you, if you're into this show, will take media seriously and try its best to talk about it in a cool, um, sophisticated way, but also maybe some jokes because Sandra's very funny, and <laughs> I'm sure you, 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 uh probably make some quips do you make quips on that show ashley you know i make some quips but sandra brings the big laughs sandra brings the fire yeah she she is the president of a of a comedy club so yes so you would you'd expect as much <laughs> um i'm not funny but i have a show with my funny friend caitlin called can you get to that and what have you guys been looking up on Wikipedia lately? Um, last week we did an episode on Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, uh, which I, I mean, 
I think we figured out that we really like doing uh, episodes where we both just want to talk a lot about the subject and then get into the Wikipedia game part of the podcast where we try to play the Wikipedia game with the topic as its end point. Um, a new Tony Hawk game came out and it was really bad and it was really fun to talk about that. And then this week, the uh, subject is Alien. And if you're listening to this Ooh. when this episode came out, it means that episode is already out. And we talk about Sigourney Weaver and Ridley Scott and the cat, the cat Jonesy. Oh. And Alien's a really good movie. Also can recommend that. Here's a plug for the movie Alien from 1979. <laughs> uh, fucking critically acclaimed piece of sci-fi. You've probably heard of it. And if you haven't watched it, what are you doing? Why are you listening to this podcast? <laughs> you have other more important things to consume. Oh, wait. No, you don't. Because we're doing, we're trying our best here and trying to make it interesting for you. Ridley Scott, please sponsor this podcast. Ridley Scott, please make more movies like The Martian. I hear people really dig that. Don't make movies like Exodus, Gods, and Kings or Prometheus. No, please. No. Ridley Scott, please. I heard you say that your script to Blade Runner 2 is supposedly the best thing Harrison Ford's ever read, and I don't believe you. I don't. You know he's making a Prometheus sequel, right? I know, and he, there was also something called, about them just titling it Alien instead of keeping the Prometheus series name, like having Alien in the title instead of Prometheus. I've been really self-conscious about how much I've been talking this episode, and then I made the mistake of bringing up Ridley Scott, and now I just want to be really upset at Ridley Scott for the next eight minutes. My coworker just saw Blade Runner, and she was like trying to talk to me about it, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait which version of Blade Runner did you see? Can you give me some hints so we can figure this out? Because there might be a lot that you are missing. There's a, there's a whole lot to talk about. Did your coworker <laughs> want to talk about the whole, like, is he, is he not? Yeah, and then I okay, ru- I ruined it for her because Ridley Scott ruined it for everyone. I Well, I'm I'm kind of on his side in terms of, like, having an, having an answer. But also, he ruined it. He made like 10 versions of that movie and ruined it. See, yeah. I'm still talking about this. God. Yeah. Have you read Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? You know what? This came up on Can You Get to That? Wow. So tune into Can You Get to That to find out if Matt has read that book. Yep. Right, well, let's leave it at that. <laughs> That's all I have to say for this week. Oh, uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm Matthew Olson, at Matthew Olson on Twitter. Spell it right. Um, and I'm at Ashley Brandt on Twitter. There's a silent D in my name. Figure out where it is. Yeah, it's it might not be where you think. Uh, no, um, and also we are on Twitter. It's at Twin Peaks Peaks and Tumblr Twin Peaks Peaks. Are we, we anywhere else? Facebook. Twin we're Peaks on Peaks. Facebook, and I need one more like to access Facebook analytics. Come on, come on. One of <laughs> there you. are more people that listen to this show than like us on Facebook, and I know that because I can see the the uh, show analytics. Well, we're still not sure if some of those are repeat listeners. <laughs> Just my mom. <laughs> over and over again your mom and my mom both hi mom hi Ka- hi other kathy sorry <laughs> you were late to the game because i didn't tell you i was doing this podcast and now unfortunately in the grand scheme of things you've become other kathy i'm so sorry mom i'm so glad you're listening it's gone off the rails Whew. is this mom stuff funny to anyone listening <laughs> we'll ask we'll ask our friend scott <laughs> our only other friend other than our mom we really need to cut this off before I start talking about Ridley Scott. <laughs> Again. Um, we have other friends. There are other people who've tweeted at us. Ashley, shut me up. Don't give me any more room to talk. <laughs> okay. Um, these grapes are right on edge. Okay.